0: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Crystal Nicole and you're watching the Erica James podcast show, the only podcast you should be watching. <laughs> I mean like duh, like <laughs> what you what else you better listen to? <laughs> Crystal Nicole, shout out to Crystal Nicole, the fantastic Grammy award winning singer-songwriter for blessing the erica Jane show podcast uh the previous episode so many jewels so much positivity if you're into singing if you're into songwriting you just want some inspiration during these very chaotic times in the world yeah then you should check it out you should really check it out uh thanks crystal for your time and your insight girl you know you are the best um i'm back episode four it's been a busy week Jeez, i've been in bradford Doing some TV work as a researcher has been crazy, but you know, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. You know, we say blessed. We say blessed. Um, and I'm back for episode four of my podcast with the incredible British TV comedian, writer, actor, Dane Baptiste. He will be talking about breaking into the industry, his early days as a comedian growing up in South London. I grew up in South London. So, you know, gotta keep it South London, you feel me? And uh, he speaks about just, you know, writing, opening up doors for, for people such as the comedian Munya, and just countless others. We talk about Baymus, which was his incredible show on the BBC. And we talk about Channel 4's Black to Front um, thing, which recently won an RTS, which is incredible. And just any advice to new writers and comedians to get inspiration and to, to keep going. And we also get into a little bit of asker talk. Uh, about the you know the will smith and the chris rock thing and to be honest i think we're all quite bored with it at this point it's it's obviously the worst thing wink wink that happened in the history of wink wink the world you know wink wink uh not um and yeah we have a difference of opinion and that's fine it's okay it's all right <laughs> um and so this is the erica james show podcast Dane Baptiste interview. Let's go, baby, let's go! I don't know why everyone wants to talk about the Oscars when we got more than that. Oh, I'm so glad that we talk about something else because we need to focus on the road. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I... And I do this with all guests, Dane, so I just have to throw some stats out there so that they know, like, it's real, you know. So I've got Dane Baptiste. This is a British stand-up comedian, writer, and presenter. He's the first Black British act to be um, nominated for the Best Newcomer Award at 2014's Edinburgh uh, Comedy Awards. Dane had a comedy series, which I loved called Sunny D that premiered on BBC Three in spring of 2016. Dane has his own podcast as well called the Dane Baptiste Questions. Um, Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. Check it out. It's amazing. It's hilarious it's on all platforms. Um, in January, 2021, he launched a comedy pilot on BBC Three, a BBC One called Bamus, which I really loved. Um, it's available on demand. Do check it out. Um, if, well, you probably have because it's just incredible. Um, And Dane is from South London like myself so his comedy is always so reflective of not only things that we go through commonly but also things that we go through on a society uh, level as well dame's performed for numerous shows standout shows sold out shows from soho theater check out amazon prime he does an amazing set there Um, and he's performed also for comic relief live at the apollo the list just goes on and on and i'm so grateful and humbled to have him today as a guest because this is He's only just begun. There's so much more he's going to do as well. So, Dane, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. And uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, how are you?
0: I'm doing really well. It's a busy week, but I'm doing pretty pretty well and, you know, even better now. But, yes, it's a really busy time. Um, and we've obviously, we're, we're coming out, well, we're still in a pandemic, but we're doing more these days and things are opening up. So I'll just start off with how have you found this this pandemic and how were you during lockdown
1: what were you getting up to um so i found the pandemic i guess my experience would be similar to everybody else's i suppose the pandemic uh professionally was uh, initially worrying because we saw kind of the uh, i guess the freezing of the creative industry as well where life performance was concerned um, which was kind of worrying But at the same time I was very inspired By the fact that Most creators found Another way to express themselves Whether it was through Zoom gigs Uploading online content um, Residuals from previous shows They'd appeared on and stuff So yeah It was testament To the creative uh, caucus That everyone kind of Had to think outside the box And find other ways To connect with Their audience members um, So that was cool It was just learning ways way to do that And that manifested By like the podcast Increasing like listeners And downloads And stuff as well And obviously BAME coming out as well Back to a really good reception yeah. so um yeah I was able to do some stuff with comic relief over that time and film some content for them uh doing stuff for like soho house so it was a good pandemic so far it was good for a pandemic um so also i would say as well was that before when the pandemic started I was in the middle of a tour for I my newest that. show which is called the chocolate chip And the show was basically about the fact that I felt that in all of the open conversations that we were having, particularly on social media about uh, body dysmorphia, self-image and mental health, how people were leaving racism out of that conversation. And then lo and behold, lockdown began and then George Floyd was murdered, um, which made the show, like I would argue, exponentially more poignant. And yeah, it really helped raise my profile and yeah, it led to what I consider to be a evolved conversation about the state of race relations in the uk which i think is still ongoing so in that respect the uh, pandemic was good um i feel like with most other people there are negative to the pandemic obviously a lot of loss of life both of us coming from a community that was disproportionately affected by covid or being predisposed to be more exposed to covid um even though it hadn't shown up in like a lot of the continental african and caribbean countries shows you how close the link was to that and the exploitation of our people. And uh yeah, obviously governments have used the opportunity of the pandemic to kind of push through laws, which are very regressive, particularly for creative expression and just the right to express ourselves and have free speech. Um but again as as a comic, you know, you have to make these observations and think about how you can opine on these and yeah, how we're gonna move forward as a people. Because I definitely think the world has changed. And so it's really about how we adjust to those changes now moving forward as creatives and just citizens in general.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, what you're saying is just absolutely true. I always tell people this all the time, that during the pandemic, um, certain people like us, black and brown people, we suffered a double pandemic, a racial pandemic mm-hmm. and also the virus. Absolutely. And obviously, I think everyone being at home and having their phones, you couldn't ignore that. Like even when I saw the George Floyd murder tape, which is what I call it, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was an old tape. I'd become so desensitized because I'm so used to seeing that, and um, I realized that no, this happened like literally that morning or that day, and it just—I mean—it sent a chill. And obviously, working in TV, I work as a researcher across like the terrestrial channels that I've never seen so many diversity meetings. Now yeah. people are, you know, wanting because people to. Have to yeah, in. people
1: had to deal with the fact that they watched a man get murdered on on camera
0: completely. And-
1: and no one reacted. And things, things often that I would see within Western civilized society mm. a murder taking place. Basically. A murder. Yeah, and so.
0: Well, people are questioning what happened, and it's right there on the tape.
1: Yeah, it but, did. You know, and and it, what, what I thought was quite troubling was the fact that the response to that was a black square. Now, when you think about media and how media works, uh, a black square on a television means it's off. Yeah. It means there's nothing being transmitted or communicated. And so the attempt by global uh, controllers of the media. To suppress that narrative and that conversation, I found very troubling. And luckily, we were able to prevail and in various different spaces, push that conversation. And a viral... in a good place, but yeah. yeah.
0: There's a viral post that said, shout out to everyone who posted a black square and your news feed has returned to something else completely differently. It's like, it's not yeah. just a black square. It does show, okay, you, you're hearing, but it's about proactively uh, helping to make
1: changes. Well, it's the, it's the opposite of effective if you put a black square there, because it means you're not showing anything. You're black blacking means out. They yeah, are blacking out the whole conversation. Like it was a shame how people were duped into thinking by putting a black square showing solidarity, where in fact, having a black square on a form of streaming or broadcast or digital media means you're not having any broadcast. Yeah. What we should have been doing then is continuing to flood the airwaves with these images of, well, even the fact that we call it brutality—it's state-sponsored murder.
0: Because
1: mm. state-sponsored <laughs> murder we're or think state-sponsored genocide. Above, yeah.
0: yeah. Because, and even you when know, you're putting that black square, don't put, we, everyone kept on saying, don't put Black Lives Matter because there are people, we need to keep up to date with what's going on. If you're putting a black square, we can't see what's, you know, it's just kind yeah. of flooding the newsfeed. But Dane. Yeah, you're not, he, you're not, not having
1: a conversation. So yeah.
0: But when I'm you were, cause you, you, you've always been really vocal and you're so clever in your, your stand up. Like you just you, the way that you, you break things down for people in such a funny way, but it's also like, I call it putting the medicine in the suite. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found, I mean, when you were speaking out, obviously, did anyone come up to you and say like, maybe from your team or anything like that to, you know, slow down? Because I know you did call out, which I think is great. A lot of people that have a platform that are even small, that are smaller than yours, because you have a big yeah. platform and they're still not speaking out. So how yeah. do you, i i guess navigate those instances when you really want to speak out do you get anybody saying to you no or do you just go for it
1: well social media all the time you'll, you'll always get detractors and i think working in the industry as well is that the industry comedy industry is no different to society in general in that in the same way that we're met with resistance and microaggressions and accusations huh. of aggression uh it's the same thing in the comedy industry that are people that enjoy the privilege that they enjoy in comedy Uh, in the same way they do in society and they don't want that privilege to be attacked or scrutinized and so yeah for a long time i've had not, not just myself i think the entirety of the uh black uh creative caucus within comedy we've all kind of had our narratives played down ridiculed it's been encouraged for us to dilute our narrative to make it more palatable to audiences and so yeah, I've definitely had people that try to play down. Like I've had management tell me not to talk about certain things because they're waiting on a deal. So I mean, in that instance, I left them, just fired them basically because wow. um, in when we're dealing with what is essentially a humanitarian crisis mm-hmm. that people are always trying to disguise as like an urban issue when it's yeah. very clearly a global one, as we are seeing now with like the Ukraine Russia war. Yeah. Um, yeah, I it was a point to speak out. So there's always been difficulty, I guess the Adversity I've experienced in trying to discuss issues like race relations and, you know, uh, social issues has pushed me to find more novel and deft ways of having those conversations, not just because of the pressures from stakeholders and um, industry, but also because a lot of the people I look up to and a lot of people that um, I idolise as comics have approach these conversations in amazing ways. And I always wanted to approach it in a way whereby, as you said, it would be nuanced enough that my other contemporaries who are members of the diaspora in the UK or in the, in Europe can relate to a very specific experience, which may differ slightly from that of your uh, quintessential African-American, but also, yeah, ongoing to have this discussion about this this social construct that we referred to as race, in a world whereby we're all happy to have conversations and many of us are prepared to indulge the fact that gender is no longer binary. In a world whereby there is no scientific or biological way to prove that race exists, it mm-hmm. seems strange that in a secular enlightened society a religious society like the UK, this is still a conversation. So mm-hmm. I for me that serves as my form of discussing social issues. It's a opportunity for satire. And yeah, just really just as a human being, my point to rebel against this System and this reality that's been created for me, which uh, is not in line with who I am as a person.
0: Of course. I think it's everybody's duty to do so, and thanks for sharing that because it's very true. And like you mentioned, you know, having the confidence to really know that you can walk that tightrope between being funny but also having the consciousness like richard pryor like a martin lawrence like just having that fearlessness so just back to your influences who were those people growing up i guess that really made you feel like you could do it as a young south london like comedian or younger um south london comedian i remember it it really clearly the
1: first time i I always loved comedy i love watching it and i and okay at first, I think like anyone else, like when you see people that look like you in these spaces, then you're initially you're completely inspired by them straight away. So, mm. like I was inspired by seeing Letty Henry in Chef, that was a great sitcom when I was growing up. Oh. Uh, I was inspired by all of the alumni from The Real McCoy, who I've had the uh, pleasure of the meeting and letting them know how much they've inspired me. Uh, even Robbie G's character as the Prince of Peckham on Desmonds <laughs> was amazing for me as well. Um, I'd say it really. Sunk in was when I was fifteen. I went to uh, Catford Broadway Theatre and I saw Dio Hughley and Russell Peters and Leo Mohammed performing on stage. And then I heard Chris Rock, Bigger and Blacker, and that for me, Bigger and Blacker, and hearing Chris Rock and his experience and how close it was to my own experience growing up, and just the way he tackled issues, I was like, I want to do this.
0: Yeah, I just need to work out how to do it here. Yeah, like that was a
1: massive inspiration.
0: You never forget, like, who inspired you. Like, for me, it was it would be Monique,
1: <laughs> ironically no, enough. Yeah, but yeah, Monique I, in the Parkers was so funny. She was hilarious. She's so funny. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, massive. And that's a, a really interesting point as well, because mm-hmm. I guess as well as, like, dealing with, like, racial adversity, one of the really surprising things I found when I started doing comedy was this um misogyny and misogynoir mm-hmm. that is towards women performing comedy. I'd never had any idea that people even distinguished their,
0: yeah,
1: comedians by gender. Look at me you can think she's funny for a woman, or this woman's talking about funny stuff. I thought that is just a funny, amazing artist. Like I did, I, do, I do funny the Parker's,
0: yeah. Improv, and I had people say, "Oh, I didn't really know women could be <laughs> funny," and then especially women of color, and it's crazy. I grew up listening to Def Jam and Chris Tucker and Eddie Griffin, and also like Monique as well, and the Queens of. Yeah, and before
1: and all of them, Mum's Mabel was performing Richard Pryor before all of those yeah. guys right. set in pace for all of those guys in the first place. And if women aren't funny, why do so many men perform comedy and drag? If women aren't funny, Very so true. many men did that. You know, should, Martin Lawrence did Shanae. And um, yeah. Flip Jamie Wilson Fox did, uh, dressed up, Jamie Foxx dressed up November. as well. Yeah. yeah, so, like, it's very clear that uh, understanding the world of women is very funny. And I say to people all the time, like, for you to think women aren't funny, you're really forgetting who you are as a human being. Because the first time you probably smiled or laughed, it's probably your mum was holding you and doing the faces to make you laugh. Because right. my dad do not do that cause. <laughs> so, so I don't, I'm, I don't I feel like the first time that most people on earth were smiled or laughed was in the face of a woman so how can women not be Very funny
0: true. Very true and it's really great that you're saying that and more you see guys you need to listen um, and another thing that I really enjoyed from you was obviously the whole black to front thing with Channel 4. I thought it was incredible. Mm. Unapologetic was hilarious. I really loved your points. So what was it like working, I guess, with ZZ Mills and Yinka Bukini? How was was that experience?
1: It It was a good experience overall. I feel like it would have been nice if we had more time to broach some subjects, but obviously we're limited for time. But um, yeah, it was a great experience um, working as a regular panellist. I appeared in the pilot for it during the Black to Front. Yeah. And then it was fortunate enough to go to series, And I think I appeared in, of the six, three or four of those. Yeah. So it was really nice to be there as a regular panellist and have those kind of overt conversations. I think some progress was made. But um, yeah.
0: It was. Definitely. Uh, it changed all, all the game. It was very
1: enjoyable for me. And I, I really do hope it goes comes back. But um, yeah. like so, liked working with Jinko and uh, and Zizi. I think they're very capable hosts and I hope they get more opportunities of a similar nature.
0: Of course. And how about Bemis? I mean, I know it was like a comedy pirate, but it was incredible. I mean, you were talking about things that I've experienced being the often the only black person or black yeah. woman in a writer's space, room, TV. So can we look forward to more of that or more projects um, that are similar?
1: Definitely more projects that are similar. I think okay. at the time when we were having this overt conversation about race, like BAMIS was something that was kind of three years in the making wow. and was supposed to be like a self-referential kind of uh, outing, but also took into elements of, you know, the contribution of black creatives to British culture and, and the culture of arts in general. You know, I think it's it's very strange that we are so overrepresented in terms of our innovation and our achievements within the creative fields. So, yeah, BAMIS, the idea of it was A, to demonstrate to audiences how much of our presence has contributed to enriching arts and culture in general. But yeah, also for me to show my semi-autobiographical journey, like you said, in these strange spaces that have been very hard for us to penetrate and to prosper in. Um and yeah, at the same time, yeah, so it was just a love letter to Black Britain, a love letter to black comedy and stuff as well. And just a celebration of arts and culture in general, which is what I feel was definitely needed at the time as well, just to remind us all of what can be achieved and who we are. And you know, it was within was that as a pleasure to work with Lola Jagan and Tanya Moore, okay, so just to name a few of the uh black women talent that I enjoy working with all the time. Um, and also that was a show that Munya was in as well, way before he had his own yeah. show as well. So that's
0: true, that helped as a launching pad. No, absolutely. I think, well, I mean,
1: I, I would I, I like to think so, and uh. I watched uh we had a sketch in Baymus which was called uh, Bigotry Bingo.
0: Yeah, I, I a remember sketch that
1: um <laughs> Munya did and then um saw a very similar like sketch when he did the Race Around Britain about like the uh kind of like, like Black Tombola nights Knights and like so yeah it's it's nice to think great minds and even with uh Sunny D it was also a, like a wonderful opportunity to introduce right. British audiences to some of the untapped potential within uh the Black creativity Caucus and to show we're not a Monolith and you know, exactly.
0: Sunny and D. And that we in like twenty
1: sixteen.
0: Yeah. And David Ajayo
1: played my best friend in it. And David Ajao was a Shakespearean actor who hadn't been on TV before. Wow. And now fast forward like five years now, and he was one of the writers on The Big Breakfast that was nominated for an RTS. Wow. So That's incredible. Demi you know, Icamello, who played my sister in Sunny D, you know, hadn't done TV before, but she's now working on her own T V show, had her own pilot on BBC, is a, a BAFTA winner. Um, you know, Kemji DeFornian is now a producer for Family Lamb and stuff as well. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see like these projects and how these things are continuing to blossom and people are continuing on their own path. So, so that's
0: the thing you open You you, you yeah, definitely that door. You know, I've seen that you've make an effort to not only work with established acts like yourself, but to also newcomers. And I think that reminds me of things that Issa Rae in the States that she yeah, does. Absolutely. A lot of um you know writers of color black writers and black creatives they do that and it's, it's it's nice to see but i i do think that sometimes it's that difference i was doing um a zoom i was a part of it as well watching the zoom but like questions of abbott elementary in the states mm-hmm. i don't know if you know but it's like a new I comedy see, yeah I've
1: seen. yeah really good yeah
0: and it's amazing, amazing. it's amazing Perfect. show mm-hmm. and i just think that it, and
1: more... the talent from there that's come from like black lady sketch show Exactly, which for me was, I think, as one of the best sketch shows I've seen in the last maybe two to three years.
0: It was hilarious with Robin
1: Theed. Yeah. Robin Thede is amazing. She's like, incredible. I it to tell us so because yeah. I was so inspired by watching wow. a Black Lady sketch show. I thought it was hilarious, like seamless. Even like the guest stars, Angela Bassett appeared in like the yeah. Black yeah. coalitions. I thought it was so good. good and one. obviously, the iconic Black Lady courtroom. Oh,
0: that was hilarious. I love like, that was my favorite sketch
1: um, <laughs> that was even funny. oh and even I mean Issa Rae for me at the moment, between her and Lena Waif they they gotta to be a top five yeah that are, like black writers and creators in comedy at the moment. Um yeah. especially uh Issa Rae's work on in the film um, Little with Messiah Martin and Regina oh, Hall. I love it. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. uh, that might be one of the funniest comedies I've ever seen in the cinema. I
0: think Messiah was also like one of the producers, if not the exact youngest And the
1: youngest, youngest yeah, producer in Hollywood history. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I just think that I, I just want that's happened here more opportunities yeah. more opportunities for writers rooms because a lot of us are going in uns- unscripted just to get into scripted and you know the whole nine yeah. but i'm i'm encouraged by it greatly and um i mean thanks for even sharing that and i guess what would what advice would you give to a young writer that's watching of any race
1: yeah definitely um, well, i'd give definitely, to a young writer um, or comedian to inspire them. First of all, I'd say uh, for me, definitely write what's true to you. I think you'll you'll always hear lots of suggestions from people on how to dilute or change your work in order to make it more palatable or what's perceived as more palatable to audiences at large. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I would definitely say stay away from that um, just for not only your artistic integrity but also for your mental health. Like Being able to be yourself is hard enough in these spaces so the work which is a reflection of yourself shouldn't have to be treated or censored to appease people so definitely stay true to yourself it doesn't necessarily mean you'll have the easiest path but you always have the right one Um, and you know peace of mind is something that you can't be bought or fame won't be able to give you either so always make sure you take care of yourself in that respect um i'd also say write what you know i think having your newest experience and your interpretation of them is what makes things different and in some ways a lot of the time while industry can be very risk adverse you there are so many new avenues now where you can kind of realize your audience and realize your potentials so don't turn things down if something feels good even if it's outside of the box of which you would normally operate always give it a go and, um, just and I'd say, yeah, leave yourself always open as an artist. you're always wanting to be a sponge for new ideas and new aesthetics, and the more you leave yourself open to and the open more of an open mind that you have, then it will make every art other aspect of your art um evolve in the same way as well. The more you grow as a person, the more it feeds into your work so yeah as as my my main piece of advice to all artists is like to live because uh I guess that's yeah. what art is need something trying to, to take about. life yeah.
0: And what I mean, a lot of comedians, a lot of writers, a lot of actors also of colour, black writers, creatives, are they aim to go to America, mm-hmm. you know. But I think it's amazing that as well as, you know, planting seeds in America, you're also doing that here. Do you, I mean, what what are your thoughts, I guess, of those that go to America? Because arguably there are a lot of opportunities there. It seems yeah. here you really have to start in theatre to do anything and write in theatre, which is, which is cool. Yeah. But what are your thoughts, I guess, of, you know, people just saying, you know, what, I want to go to America. I want to aim for that
1: now. Um, I think, yeah, I think I completely encourage it. I uh, I, oh. I definitely think you could go where the going's good um, in terms of industry, because, uh, uh, you know, that's the unfortunate part is that 90% of this is industry. So yeah. if the going's good, get over there. I think I'm very happy about the, uh, I guess, new British invasion of yeah. Black creatives that are prospering in the states, like Amil um, Amin and all of the. Yeah, I mean the list goes on. Amil Amin, you've got uh, London Hughes, Ginny Ashere, yeah. Daniel Kalua, um, Danton Idris, yeah. uh, Idris Elba, um, Chueto <laughs> Ejiofor, David yeah. Ayewalo, uh, Sophia uh You've got like Naomi uh,
0: Michaela
1: Cole, Michaela Cole, um, uh, Naomi Harris. Like the list is endless, and and you know it's just testament to the fact that you know. If the issue is not a lack of talent in one of the biggest hubs of creativity and where the film industry, I guess, is based, these are where a lot of our peers are prospering. And so they are proving conclusively that the problem in the United Kingdom is not the lack of talent that we have, because these people are being able to thrive on arguably the hardest and most competitive stage for all actors and creatives in general and they're doing very well. So I encourage that wherever you can. um, I don't think that art and creativity is limited to national borders, anyway. And in the same way that we are massively influenced by African American culture and the way the world is, so far as like art and creativity is concerned, there's no reason why you know we are very closely linked to to the diaspora in the, yeah. uh, the Americas, and so our experiences are very similar. So in the same way that like hip hop, for example, has risen to become the most uh, perv- pervasive and and most pertinent culture within America part of that we are part of that as well and so i think we should be able to go to the states and explore and exploit opportunities there and hopefully yeah at the same time feedback back into the uk even if that's giving the opportunity for our other peers to come over and have the same kind of success you know i look at stuff like daniel kalua who is i would argue an a-lister who has been who won an oscar last year
0: incredible uh, for
1: his portrayal of fred hampton yeah. who's a massively pivotal and important character within uh Black American film. history and history yeah. in general amazing film where he I thought his performance was sublime in that as well and he's been able to take that uh and you know be a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah and I'm not sure if he would necessarily have those opportunities if he stayed in the UK but it's so beautiful to watch him give back now he's currently working on a script now for yeah him and Kano to appear in as well on Netflix and yeah yeah Netflix yeah so for me it's, it's wonderful to see like, and it's even what you're seeing now is that I would argue based on the wealth of talent that's mm. come from the UK it's made non-British black eyes and ears more receptive to creativity in the UK because like now you've had like you know people like Drake being involved in producing um, Top, yeah, Boy, Top Boy and now online you know Americans are weighing in on this and now we're starting to see very slowly our culture is beginning to imprint upon African American culture, which historically would have been one of the more influential subcultures of the diaspora globally. And now we're starting to be involved in stuff as well. And I think once we're able to have that control and have this control within media, that means that we're able to tell our stories better and represent ourselves better. And as that continues to improve and we continue to collaborate on both sides of the Atlantic, it can only build well, in my
0: opinion. Uh, Perfectly said. No, it's very, very true. When we build our own, our stories as well, then we can also hire and cast across the diaspora, including America, they can come here and have opportunities as well. And so I think that's Mm -hmm. that's great. Um, Yeah, so just a few more questions. Um, I do want to just get into, very briefly, um, obviously this week, the Oscars, where, you know, it's one of the most important moments in TV film history. And obviously what happened was just really unexpected between Two legends, two icons, two people I grew up watching, Will Smith and Chris Rock. Um, and Dane, obviously, I've, you know, you've spoken about it this week and you've also written about it on The Guardian um, and The Voice newspaper. So I'm just curious to just briefly talk about, you know, your, your opinion of, of that and what went down.
1: And as you said, it's two legends of all the, of all the people to be fighting and bickering at a war show. Yeah. Two legends that we all look up to in a space where, where, you know, the history of the Oscars has very racial um, overtones. As, you know, Hattie McDaniels, one of the first recipients of the Best Support Actress, wasn't yeah. even allowed in the building. Yeah. So to watch how many people have contributed to building up that wall of achievement, precipitating Will Smith finally being nominated for win receiving an Oscar as well as Samuel Jackson, another legend, being overshadowed by this instance of needless violence.
0: Yeah,
1: this is, for me it's terrible.
0: If the person isn't laughing, it's not funny.
1: Especially, but that's, but that, well, that's the when point. They're, if they're not, if they're not laughing, that's not how laughing. You Funny,
0: and and I think that it it I, I prefer comedy when it's inclusive, and that the people are laughing as well. And I just think that it was a little bit of a jabby area for for him and I just did I just felt uncomfortable by the joke anyway it just wasn't his best jokes and he's done great jokes which is, which and is obviously, fair, but it's,
1: it's the Oscars it's not a comedy club so you can't really tell your best jokes necessarily because if you tell your best jokes at the Oscars you I won't agree. Get the job again.
0: and, and the, the irony is that it wasn't a comedy club that he went off script and made the joke <laughs> it kind of brought it to Chris Rock um, and have like we,
1: have we confirmed this is off script because I, I, I mean I don't know Chris the fact because
0: yeah, I, like, I, it I read off, it, was that it was off script. That's why the producers and they were wondering, gosh, this wasn't written. It was just like almost like a, a freestyle and in the moment. And so it just was unexpected in itself. And don't get me wrong. I don't condone violence. I don't think the best thing to do would be get, to get up on stage and slug him but I also know that there were shots. (laughs) There have been those kind of little jabs. And finally you feel like, you know what? I'm I'm sick of this person always jabbing at me. And it was the wrong reaction to have, but I do feel bad for both of them. I felt bad for Chris Rock, to be honest with you, even though I'm not a big fan of Chris Rock, I've never been a huge fan of his.
1: I still felt like, ah. I also have a receding hairline and people make fun of that all the time. Even when I'm not on stage, if I, if someone I've seen YouTube comments and and that's not me saying it upsets me. It's hairlines in black comedy have been fair game for a long time. I know I hear people talk about weaves all the time, people talk about hairlines all the time. So why is it
0: now I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna speak for anybody, but I will say this. I have had an issue with Chris Rock talking about Black women's hair since the documentary. I never liked the promo around it. I watched the documentary. Black women and our hair is a sensitive topic. It is even more so when you have actual disability, when you have an actual condition. And I've always felt there was an unhealthy emphasis that Chris Rock would make on Black women's hair. And even one of the women from the good Hair documentary, she came out to say, I don't think what Will did was right at all. But I also think that for someone who sat with me for hours to hear me talk about alopecia, you should have a little bit more sensitivity for comedians. And I think they're, like you said, Hair, the topic of hair has existed for decades. And I just think there's a there's a way that you do it that's funny, and there's a way that you do it with someone that you know already has a bit of an issue with you, being that they're conversations that we're not all privy to. And I just felt like it was a little bit of a a little bit of a jab. This is someone and I always believe, you know, to judge people by the full extent of their character and not just something and that's unfortunate. This could have been an instance where she's been dealing with it, she's already publicly spoken about having it and how sensitive she felt about it, but felt also empowered to show it. And she, he probably was saying to her, you look beautiful, you look gorgeous, don't worry about it. That G.I. Jane joke, it just was in bad taste.
1: Especially it's, it's, if... But it's but most people there don't even know who G.I. Jane is because it's a 90s film, so most people wouldn't even get the reference in the first place. Well, and G.I. Jane has like a shaved it. head. Yeah. It's not It's not even... I think the fact of the matter is, we're talking more about the slap than the joke itself. Because most people won't even remember the joke in a week's time. It wasn't even good enough as a joke to warrant a slap. And like I said, for me, all that stuff is fine. This idea that if someone says something you don't like, you can hit them for black people will set you a much more dangerous precedent than anything else
0: of course and it's, it's such a shame that they're thinking about removing or taking back his awards when in actual fact they stopped jane john wayne storming the stage to hit a woman in the 70s there are countless things that have happened they haven't taken away roman polanski's they haven't taken away harvey weinstein's and like it goes back to respectability politics yes i'm more I just don't want these two icons to continue to have this. Do I think it's right that he slapped Chris Rock? Absolutely not. Do I think it's right that Chris Rock can come across as a bit of a bully and take shots at people and have a license to be as rude and disrespectful and talk about Rihanna's panties? Yes. Like that, I don't like that. That's Just because you're doing it verbally doesn't mean that it's any less of a bruise. You can make a joke, make a joke all day, but... You do not control how people will take it. I know his intention, like he said, it's just a G.I. Jane joke. But you are hurting people and you were offensive to people. So as well as Will Smith apologizing, which he did, he apologized to the Academy. It would have been fake of him to apologize on the stage. He probably was still quite angry with Chris Rock. He's not happy about that. Yes. Thank you. I do appreciate you being on the show. Are there any future projects that we can look out
1: for? Um, a podcast named Matisse Questions, everything people can listen to at the moment as well. So that's always weekly episodes of that on all platforms, as I said. Uh, the A to Z of Blackness is a YouTube series I have made recently as well, which is available on YouTube on my channel. Um, and yeah, I should be putting out a special very soon as well. So I'm just working on that, getting that edited. Um, and yeah, I'm also, and also for daytime, I do the views at one on Stespat Lunch as well. So there is a regular cast member. So um, yeah, look out for me and uh, on the website for more uh, live dates.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. You guys check Amazing. out everything Dane is doing. I'll put it down on the link as well. This is the Erica James Show podcast. Thanks for watching. I mean, you can really tell we're both from South London. <laughs> you can really tell. I stand my corner. You stand yours. I don't bend. I don't break my opinion. Don't condone. I don't condone violence but I don't condemn. We've all on some level said or done something that was totally out of character. And we would all hope at our worst moment that people can remember the 99.9% of the good things we do. So shout out out to black talent and black genius and creativity. And may we just have unity and peace within the community, in all areas, acting, comedy, the whole nine, human, human, we're all human beings and flawed, perfectly imperfect beings. So shout out to Dame Baptiste. Thank you so much for being a part of the show and continuing to support black talent, young talent, amazing interview. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much. I really did. If you're a comedian, if you're a writer, if you're an actor, Get inspired, stay inspired. Dane started with limited resources and has this amazing career. It's possible. It is possible. Look out for episode 5. So happy to bring this to you this week. Keep going. Let's get it. Another week ahead. Let's get it. Yeah.
1: Y'all yeah, know she ain't gonna talk about it.
0: Oh, i okay